that you caught the news, tornadoes ripped through the middle part of our country. And uh, well, <laughs> can someone help me fix this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we would, James, could you come and try to help, help me with that? Well, so let's be praying. Many people have died. I believe 30 over. It was yesterday. And uh, if you see the pictures, it has been a disaster in many places. We need to remember that. Uh, we are reminded that we live in a world of sin. So let's pray for them. And I want to just highlight one other item in the... Thank you. Oh, we fixed it. We tried so hard just now. Thank you. And uh, on item 9, there is that membership class and the class 201 that, dis uh, that helps us to discover our spiritual maturity, how to grow in our faith. Please sign up. You sign it up online electronically. So please go to our church website and do that. Baptism is on Easter Sunday. Now our topic this morning is on the walk the last section on the Christian walk in the, the biggest chunk uh, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, we'll be talking about how to make a living, talking about work. Uh, we have done all that. The Christian walk consists of living in unity, living in the truth, living in love, living in the light, living in wisdom, living in submission, which we don't like to talk about. And you find you have husbands and wives. That is the mutual submission. And then you have the children and parents. Children don't like to be submissive. Parents especially don't like to be submissive to the children, not to exasperate them. And this morning, we talk about workers and bosses. We don't want to submit to our bosses in our hearts. But we have to because we need to get a paycheck. So how do we, how do we deal with that? See, we all have, do you realize that we are all ministers? The Bible calls every Christian a minister. See, it's so strange that they call me, that's my title, I'm a minister. But do you realize that the, the word minister applies to all of you? We are all ministers. We are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the place of your ministry is where you go to from 9 to 5, from Monday to Friday. And so it's a big chunk of our lives. So how do we live as Christians and be a minister there? And so this morning, I have invited a brother, Brother Alex Jong. He works for IBM. And the reason I invited him to share with you is that he, he takes ministry very seriously. Uh, he ministers to uh, college students, especially those from China, at the NC State campus. He meets with them on Friday nights. He has seen so many come to know Christ. Uh, he works in IBM, and he uses that as a platform. So I'm going to ask him to come and share with, uh, with you how, as a Christian, we can be uh, a worker, working for the glory of the Lord in a secular setting. Alex, we welcome you. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm very glad that to be with uh, very talented congregations like James just demonstrated. <laughs> we all had good time and bad time 
at work and school, you or me or even Jeremy Lin, I think, you know, went through that, but though it's not so dramatic, right, like his. Today, I'll take a few minutes to share with you a couple of points that God leads me at work. We all know that Lord Jesus redeemed us from sin and the Holy Spirit enabled us to live a victorious life. So I'd like to ask you where you see the word redemption and the word enablement most often. You might say church or Sunday school. I tell you, your answer is right in most of the situations, but not necessarily this time. Because I see these words every day at my work, those words are actually in my work title. You might think it is interesting or funny, but I think God uses a very humorous way to tell me that job is not outside of our faith life. It is part of it. I can tell you later, you know, what the job titles actually are. <laughs> but, um, um, but really, I think uh, many times, many times, you know that Satan lied to us that faith is only at church. Faith is not relevant to our jobs. The fact is, I experience God every day at work, and God teaches me some and so much at work. These are not lessons just for work, but also the lessons for my life. There are three main types of people at work, right? First, our bosses. Second, sub subordinates. And then you have, uh, if you're a manager, right? And then you have peers. So because I don't think I have enough time, maybe I've already spent a few minutes. So let me just quickly share with you the first two types of people I encounter at work. Ideally, we like the boss to be like our parent and take care of us. So we thank God when we have that kind of boss, right? Once I did have a fortune to have to, ha to work for a boss who is like a, a parent, but a tiger mother type of parent. Before I had heard that about her temperament and uh, so some, some people even use the word scared to death to describe her and the relationship with her. But what you hear, just what you, what, what you hear, what just you heard, right? It, it didn't really come true to you until you experience it. So many times now after I worked for her, so many times I went into meetings, you know, with confidence. I went in, stepped in with confidence. But quickly, quickly, I, I found myself in a hot stove, like as being grilled one side and the next side, <laughs> the other side. So no matter how hard you try and you, how hard you try, the, the end of the day, what you get is criticism. And then also do the work again, rework, right? I feel very discouraged and very depressed. What would you do in that situation? What would you do? You know, Christians, we have very powerful tool that calls prayer. So I prayed. So I pray that God change her and move, or if not, then move me to, onto a different job, right? Different uh, organization, department. I prayed and prayed. Guess what? Nothing happened. The one day, but one day I read Ephesians 6.24. says, obey your earthly master with respect and fear 
and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. That verse struck me, and I suddenly realized the purpose of going through all these. Wow, through difficult circumstances like this, God wants us to refine us and to make us more like Jesus, to be obedient to him. So instead of praying to change the circumstances, I start to pray that God change me and help me to learn obedience. And I also prayed for her salvation. I start to see the changes. Instead of feeling painful, I, f I felt motivated. It's very strange, you know, but motivated. And it's amazing. And interestingly, I start to have a totally different perspective. In the past, you know, I, the, the picture was a painful grill, right? It, it's a hot stove and you got grilled. It's, but now I start to have a, a picture of a bag of uh, popcorn in a microwave, you know, through, under, even under very high temperature, in a microwave, very high temperature, right? But popcorns are making joyful sound, right? popping sound, giving off good smell, smells delicious. And you know that the size expand, right? From those hard, small, cold kernels into big, right? Big popcorns and, and taste delicious. So it's a picture, I think. It's a picture that God give us, give me, uh, how Christians grow. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. So next, let me quickly share with you the experience dealing with my subordinate at work. So managers always want to have perfect employees to work for them. But you know that just like manager ourselves are not perfect. So you can't expect the people work for you are perfect. And the reality is that you always have maybe have to encounter people give you a lot of headaches. What would you do then? Years ago, an employee in my team was a troublemaker and I sim simply disciplined him. And eventually, actually, he, he left the company. But, but the relationship, <laughs> it's not because of me. <laughs> but the relationship actually was very much disrupted. Over the years, I learned from the Bible and the Lord that a true leader, you know what, a true leader is a leader like shepherd. Each person on the team it has his or her own um, strength and weakness, right? So the uh, leader's job is to know the team individually, you know, each individual to know him and to care them, to motivate them, and to enable them to maximize their value. As a Christian leader, it is important to bring good testimony to the work as well. So once, you know, once I, again, I had, a, I, we were on a very tight schedule to deliver our uh, product to the customer. And one employee made repetitively, you know, repeatedly, some silly mistakes. This is just doesn't make sense to me. Just make, just why you do that, you know? <laughs> so very silly mistakes, um, which could put our target uh, at risk. This gave me a very big headache. Should I just discipline and replace this person? It's easy, just discipline and replace, get one other person, right? But I didn't go with that easy route. And what I try to put what I learned from the Bible into practice. So I invested more time over my weekends to work with that person. You know what, at the end, 
we deliver good result, and more importantly, good team morale actually was established. So that's a lesson learned to me. Lastly, in Matthew 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. I learned these two very closely at my work. That's why I share with you to learn how to obedient to God and to love people through my work. If you're still interested in what my work titles are said in the beginning of the, the sharing, the first work title is parts redemption. I work for, you know, those service parts when you repair uh, laptops, the parts, you need to redeem them, the parts coming in. So that I had a, a job as part redemption. And the other one is a market enablement. You have to enable those markets who are doing a lot of stuff in those frontier African interesting countries. All right, that's all my sharing. Thank you very much. Thank you. So when you go to work tomorrow, think of yourself as either being in a hot stove or being a popcorn, right? So popcorn is better. One of the Christian values is work, and we'll be talking about work. And the passage we want to read is Ephesians 6. Uh, let's read it together. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And I believe this was quoted by Alex just now. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you, are, you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful testimony of Alex. Thank you, Father, for a reminder to us that you have given us a, a mission field right there where we work, that we, we meet with people every day. And there are many who are lost. There are many who are seeking for the truth. Uh, there are people who are close to the gospel and there are people who are open. And so, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, help us to go to work with joy in our hearts to know that we are there to serve people and to serve you. And Father, this morning, we want to remember those who are in the midst of suffering. Uh, we think of the tornado victims up in the northeast, the, the northwest and the middle part of the country. We, we, we don't know why they are going through that, except, Lord, we, we see pictures of devastation, and that's a picture of what sin does in our lives. And Father, we pray for the innocent victims. We pray, Lord, that they will help get the help that they need from the relief agencies. Father, we pray that their faith in you will be strengthened and not shaken. And that, Father, you would, uh, the churches will come together and help them to rebuild their lives. And mor this morning, Father, we pray for ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you will use this passage 
to help us to become the kind of workers uh, we ought to be. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Work is good. Uh, work is not a four-letter word, uh, but I think TGIF is very close to a four-letter word. Uh, and I think TGIF doesn't give Americans a very good, uh, or at least it doesn't give other people a very good impression of Americans. Why? Because the first time I heard TGIF, I thought, wow, Americans only work for the weekend. They only look for the weekend. What do they do from Monday to Friday? See, work is good. How do we know that work is good? Because work was given to Adam before sin came in. Work was given to Adam in chapter 2. Sin came in in chapter 3 of Genesis. And God said it was good. And so work was good. And work is, a, is something that gets us. Uh, Adam had to name all the animals. You realize that? Can you imagine having to name giraffes and kangaroos and all that? That's very creative. He had to name them all. That's work. All right. And so work is good. But what happened is that sin came in and spoiled all that. And what happened is that as a result of that, some people have the wrong idea that work is bad. Work is a drudgery. No, work is not bad. But because of sin, work becomes harder. It becomes hard, especially if you have a tough boss who puts you on the stove. If work is good for us, then how are we to work then? How should we make a living? I want to highlight just a couple of points from the passage we read under these two titles. When we work, we must have our eyes on the master. Secondly, when we work, we must have our eyes on eternity. If you do that, work will be fun. Work will be enjoyable, even though there will be hard times because you're looking forward to something. So when we work, we must have our eyes on our master. Why? Because if you read the passage, he talks about that. He talks about being sincere. You work with a sincere heart. You really want to work, not putting up a show, like as if you are obeying Christ. That is to say that when you go to work on Monday morning, tomorrow, you're not really working for your boss. You are working for this boss who sees us all the time. And he's mentioned a few times, serving the Lord in verse 7, your master is in heaven. He is the real master. That should be the way we look at work. Human bosses are over us, hopefully always to nudge us, to bring out the best in us. But you, we know that that is not always the case. Usually it is, they want to bring out the best for the company. And sometimes because of that, they treat their employees like dirt. So pray that you have a boss who thinks of you as a person. And there are people like that out there. If not, pray that they will change or your attitudes will change. You will learn something from that. They may think, our earthly bosses may think that they are the bosses, but actually they are not. And if you read this passage carefully, it's only for a time. You will only work for IBM for 20 years, 30 years, you get laid off, or another company. There is a time limit. They are not your bosses forever. 
but we have a boss who is over us for the rest of our life. So don't just look to our heavenly bosses. When we work, have our eyes on the true master. Now, this is a play card that somebody put up on the side of the road. We'll work for Jesus. Meaning, give them some, some money. We'll work for you. Work for Jesus. I think that's a good slogan. When we go to work tomorrow, we are really working for Jesus. And if we don't have our eyes on Him, our focus will be wrong. Why? Because Jesus and God sees everything. And He looks into our hearts and He wants to see if there is sincerity, if there is wholeheartedness. Are we giving our best? You see, our bosses will probably never know if we are giving our best. There are people that you will meet, they work very hard when the boss is around. But when the boss is not around, they are the slackers. They get promoted sometimes above you and you get angry. But you know what? When you have your eyes on the Lord, He knows the truth because He sees us all the time. This fact alone should eliminate sloppy, bad, shoddy workmanship from Christians. Why? Because God sees. You know, nowadays, with the economy is bad, you will have a lot of bad workmanship. They will cut corners. And I'm pretty sure that the buildings they built now, they boast that are better than in the past. But I don't think so. I think when the economy is bad, everybody is cutting corners. They will give you the dirt cheap material. They will do a sloppy job because they can go on to another job and make more money. And that is life. The quality of our work, the way we work, speaks volume about who we are as Christians. Why? Because we are ultimately responsible to the our ultimate boss. Colossians 3 says, it's a parallel passage. And I think it's a very good verse to remember, just one, one verse. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, we do that in the office every time, every day. You go there, you speak to people, and you do work. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, and I believe that uh, our, our college students are not left off. Oh, I don't work, Pastor. I don't have a job. Well, your job is being a college student right now. That's your job, to be a good student, to do your best. So when you go there tomorrow, wherever, uh, except I guess those guys have spring break. They, they, they have a break for, for a couple of weeks or something like that. When you, when you go, you are responsible. Can you do that? Can you serve in the name of Jesus? Can I study in the name of Jesus? Can I work for this boss in the name of Jesus? Can I give thanks for this job that I'm given in the name of God the Father? It's a good reminder to all of us. I see a lot of bad workmanship around. Uh, I may be half-blind. Maybe you can see more. But these are some of the things I see around me. We were, just give a few examples. That's why my, my encouragement is we really need to be good workmen. And I tell myself, I hope I'm not like that. We, we, we planned a European trip last year, our only European trip as a family. You have to get euros, we were told. They don't use US dollars. 
And so I went to the bank and asked them for euros, gave them a check. They said, okay, we will give you euros. I waited, I waited, no phone calls, no phone calls, and then the debt is coming. We are leaving next week, and I still haven't gotten news from the bank. I called them. They said, no, let me check. It must be lost in the mail somewhere, you know? And I physically went down to the bank, and they searched. It's in the vault in their bank. has been sitting there for weeks, and nobody called. Now, that is sloppy work, I think. In Pakistan, I was there one summer, and this was what happened. There was a scandal, scandal in the post office. Oh, George, uh, that is not U.S. post office. It's Pakistan post office. It was a scandal. People weren't getting their mail. And so they investigated. You know what happened? They found that at this particular post office, the clerks were sitting on bags of mail. They didn't have chairs, so they used the mail bags as chairs. They forgot to deliver those. So there were bags of mail. They used them as chairs. Isn't that sloppy work? I mean, think about it. No brain, right? But that's, that's basically what happens. Uh, you go on Maynard, right down the street. Go down, turn right. You see a brand new bridge that our city of Kerry built. Look at the construction. It's rusted. It's not even primed. And I thought they would come back and clean it up. They never did. It has been there like a year. It's an eyesore. I asked our road engineers, they couldn't give me an answer. You, you would never find this kind of a bridge in some parts of the world. There is no pride, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, mechanics, when was the last time you bring your car into a mechanic and, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to put this part back into your car. <laughs> you, you drive out and then one part is missing. You know, the last time was, they actually put in the thing wrong. And I, my wife and I had problems for two years, driving, thinking that something is wrong with her car. That I think the car is so old, time to change. But actually, the mechanic had reversed the wire, put it wrongly, so she has no gas. The car keeps dying. That is bad workmanship. Does that describe us? When people look at us as Christians, do we give 100%? Wherever we turn, we see bad workmanship. It will be great if Christians will rise up and give a dollar's worth of work for every dollar we receive or give more. You know, once upon a time in this country, in other countries, when the word made in USA meant something. I grew up in an era where made in USA is different from made in Hong Kong and made in Taiwan and made in China. At one time, made in Japan means bad. It's imitation. They caught up. And then made in China, caught up. But now made in China may not be that good either. Why? Bad workmanship. They put fake things inside. It talks about the culture. What if the label is made by Christians? Now, I haven't seen that label yet. But if the label is made by Christians, should it make a difference? I hope so. You know, you study church history, you discover that all the cultures that prospered mainly came 
after the, the Reformation, suddenly the Bible came alive. People can read it in their own language. They developed a strong work ethic. If I'm a Christian, I give good quality work. Think of the Swiss watches. Came out of Reformation, Switzerland. It means good quality. And I think we are still in, we inherited that from the previous generations in America. Made in USA means something. Have we lost that? I think we need to restore the pride of doing a good job. And the only way we can do that is knowing that when we work, we have to look to the Lord because He sees us all the time. It's not easy because many times people who are slackers, they make fun of you. They will talk bad about you because you are hardworking and it shows up that you do one hour's work, they have to do two hours' work. Of course, you get hired and they get angry with you. There's a recent report. This is CBS News reporter. She is an investigative reporter. I believe she does excellent work. I don't know if she's a believer, but she did this report on, you know what? An expose on the US Justice Department. They bought guns off the street and then they resold them in Mexico. And the guns came back to the US and killed cops. And so that was the investigation. What happened? And so Atkinson defended herself, and this is what she wrote, okay? Atkinson said a White House official cursed at her. Can you imagine you do a work, people curse at you while arguing that investigating the scandal was unnecessary? She added that government officials argued she was not being reasonable since she was the only reporter pursuing the story. They say the Washington Post is reasonable, the LA Times is reasonable, the New York Times is reasonable. I'm the only one who thinks this is a story and they think I'm unfair and biased by pursuing it. So brothers and sisters, tomorrow when you go to work, you want to work and realize that you are working, looking at the Lord. This is the standard. There'll be people who get angry with you simply because you do a good job. It comes with the territory. It is said that we no longer value work and excellence, but God values work and excellence. And I think this generation growing up in America think a lot of work as chores, bad job. You know, I don't know about you. If your dad were to ask you, would you mind mowing the lawn? Would you mind taking out the garbage? Would you, would you do this? Would you paint this? Would, would you clean the floor? I think many of our teenagers, many of our young people are saying, oh, that's a job. That, that's a job I don't want to do. That's a chore. Why? Do you realize that we are all workers? We are stewards of our time. And God has given us energy. And if He has given us the resources and the responsibility, He expects us to fulfill it. Now, I'm sure you have seen this advertisement. I'm sorry, George, it's the post office, okay? I hope you have time. doing all that overnight shipping. That must cost a fortune. It sure does. Well, if it doesn't have to get there overnight, you could save a lot with priority mail flat rate envelopes. One flat rate to any state, just four ninety-five. <laughs> That's cool and all, but it ain't my money. I seriously do not care. So you don't care what anyone says? You want to save this company money? That's exactly what I was saying. Mm. Priority mail flat rate envelopes. Yeah, I'm sure you have seen that, right? And there are a lot of people who are like that. They go to work and they don't care. 
But I think um, when we go to work and we, we have our eyes on the Lord, I hope we better care. We better care with the resources, even though it's not our money, but it's our company's money, that we shouldn't be wasting it. Our perspective ought to change when we realize that when we work, we are really working and serving Christ who sees us all the time. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you are obeying Christ. And I think there is a distinction there. He's drawing a line. Your earthly master, and the word there is flesh, fleshly, human. And then he jumps and talks about your master, Christ, God. And so I pray that tomorrow when you go to work, wherever you are, have your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your eyes on God. It is God's will for us to serve others and to serve wholeheartedly as if we are serving Him. Every Christian is given a work, given work as platform. Whatever work you do, that is your platform and that should make a difference. We should make a difference in the lives of the people that we work with to show people that Jesus makes a difference in the way we work. Uh, in the Old Testament, we read of example of like Joseph. Quickly, you know that. He was such a good worker, but in such bad circumstances, he was a, he sold into a slave, could complain, thrown into a dungeon, but his eye was on the Lord, and it, it changed the way he worked, so much so that even the boss, his boss could see, it says the Lord was with him. I pray that that would be our mentality. If, have, if our eyes are on the Lord, we go to work every day, wherever we are. I believe that when we do that, people can see God through us. That's what we want. Joseph honored the Lord. And today we have people like Kibo, we have all these famous people like Jeremy Lin. They have a platform. We should pray for them that they will not abuse that platform, that they will continue to honor Christ. It's not about winning goals. Winning the, the, the Super Bowl or whatever. I think they think it is. And many people think, think that, is the, that is the main thing. But for me, I think it would be great. He honors Christ even when he loses a game. It's how they live. We should pray for them because they're on a platform. Pray that they don't dishonor Christ. That's very important. Many humanitarian organizations were set up all over the world. Why? In the name of the Lord. I give you an example that I just read in January in the, the News and Observer. It has to do with goodwill. You have heard of goodwill? Now it's in every city, goodwill. When did it start? It started by a pastor up in Boston in 1902. Goodwill movement. What he did was he, he collected all these discarded things from people, broken down things that might be, can be fixed. He would employ unemployed people they will fix them up and then they will resell them or redistribute them to people who needed it. And you know the industry has grown. The mission statement is so interesting of goodwill. Changing lives through the power of work. So work is powerful. When you go to work and you have Christ in your life, you can change people. People will be affected by the way you work. And look at it, 110 years. It's that long ago that he started it. It now has grown to 2,600 stores, 74 million donations. And look, it's amazing. It's amazing. 
I just read uh, an example of a father who was mowing the lawn and his son was helping him cutting the, the trimming the bush. And all of a sudden, the son came over and told the dad, Dad, please do that again. And the dad stopped his lawnmower and said, What? Do what again? He said, Smile, Dad. Smile. It's your smile that keeps me going. And I think what happens is that when we look to the Lord and we work for Him, He smiles. He, he blesses us. He gives us the, 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 the light. It's, it's like a cycle. He motivates us. And then we go to work with renewed energy. Make God smile. And I believe God will make you smile. Look at all these people. I hope you are like that tomorrow when you go to work. Smiling. Why? Because God is happy. And secondly, very quickly, when we work, we must have our eyes on the future, eternity. Why? Because the passage says, gives us a reason. Because. Why do we have to work this way looking at God? Because you know the Lord will reward everyone. There will be a reward. Do you know that earth is a test for heaven? Earth is a test for heaven. This is the preliminary test. We sweat like crazy to take SAT or whatever. I was told they don't, they don't sweat anymore. Students said, you don't have to study for it. I, I don't know of any exams that you don't have to study for. Okay? But you know what? The way we work is a test for heaven because you'll be given jobs. We won't be strumming guitars in heaven. Okay? We'll be given jobs. The way we perform now will determine what God is going to give us in heaven. We have a lot of unfair situations on earth. Well, the Lord is letting us experience that. He is testing us how we're going to react to a bad boss, unfair situation. He's going to prepare us for the future. You know, there's a story of a guy who graduated from Boston University, and his name is Samuel Brangle. I've never heard of him, but according to the Salvation Army, he was the most famous preacher and worker in Salvation Army history. He graduated top of his class, but he felt God calling him to Salvation Army. He was invited to pastor some of the large churches in Boston, but he turned them down and traveled 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean, went to England and met with General William Booth, the, the founder of Salvation Army, and said, I, want, I feel God calling me. I want to volunteer to do this. And you know what they sent him to do? They sent him to the cellar. The first day he, he arrived, they sent him to the cellar. And he was faced with how many pair, pairs of boots? Many pairs of boots. Given a can of black stuff to, to, to polish the boots. And he was complaining, Lord, I came 3,000 miles and I can, I'm polishing boots here. I can polish boots in, in the US. I don't have to travel 3,000 miles. Is, is, is this kidding? And he was so unhappy. And then as he prayed about it, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ washing the dirty feet of the disciples came into his mind. He broke down and he realized that this is a good lesson. And so he polished the boots. He polished the boots. He learned and he grew and he became such a useful person. Why? Because he understood what it meant to be a servant. He said, dear Lord, let me serve the servants of Jesus. That is sufficient for me. Don't just work 
hard when you know that your boss is looking at you. Work hard every moment because the boss in heaven always looks at us because we have a boss in heaven. Because of time, I just want to read to you this 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, don't get discouraged. Why? Because stand firm. There are days when you can't stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It will never be vain. If If we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever we do will never, never be in vain. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I'm just going to quickly wrap up. Matthew 25, Luke 19 are two parables that talk about God giving talent, God giving money to servant, and then he went off. And then he came back and asked each servant for a, an account. And basically, Luke 16.10 says, why? Why should I give you a lot if you're not faithful with the very little? And I believe earth is the very little. And he's testing us to see how we do with the very little. And you know, there are a lot of helps that you can get. You can get this online. And I have some here, which is called Top 10 Faith Disconnects. We disconnect our faith. We are faithful on Sunday. The moment we get to work, we disconnect from our faith. And we become what? Atheists on Monday to Friday. Why? Why? And so we have to address all that. And I have a list of this. Problems that Christians we face at work that cause us to think about our faith and renounce sometimes our faith. So when we work, we must have our eyes on the master. And when we work, we must have our eyes on eternity. There's going to be a reward. And lastly, let me just give you this. You, I have never seen this picture until last night because I just opened the latest magazine that I have. Uh, Bert Elliott just passed away in February. This past February, he was 87 years old. Do you know that he is the older brother of Jim Elliott? You wonder why Jim Elliott is so famous. He died so young. He died when he was 26 or 29 years old in Ecuador. Why? Because his older brother went to Peru long before him. He spent 60 years in Peru, established 150 churches. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself that one day there's going to be payday there's going to be a reward. And the reward is dependent on how we work. So I pray that this will be your prayer. God, give me work till my life shall end and life till my work is done. We will never die before our time. God knows our time, we don't. We will never die before our work is finished. And I hope we will do a good job. Let me invite Brother Joe to come up. Let's stand together. And let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We thank you, Father, that each one of us is given tasks, but you also have given us abilities. And so, Father, we pray that we would look to you for strength each day as we step into the office or step into school. 
or whatever situation we find ourselves in, Father, help us to have our eyes on you and help us to have our eyes on eternity. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We'll respond. Change my heart, O oh God. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, O oh God. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. Father, we pray that this would be our heartfelt prayer, that we want to be changed that we want to be like you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Another silent meditation for dismiss. Please help us move the chairs to the side so that we can have upward on Tuesday night. Thank you.